Sirius XM presents Stanford Pathfinders. Stanford has 225,000 alumni living all over the globe in 151 countries. And they're some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. A show about how the graduates of Stanford University are changing our lives and the world. We'll hear very interesting things from business leaders in the technology sector, but well beyond that. The worlds of politics, entertainment, business, and beyond. Inspiring stories from America's innovation heartland. It's a place where people look to the the future, not to the past, where they don't rest on their laurels. Think about the gold rush. Think about Stanford being formed in the late 1800s. And then Stanford was the beginning of Silicon Valley. And the ethos of Silicon Valley is deeply embedded in the Stanford spirit. It's a spirit of innovation, experimentation. It's a spirit of being willing to try new things and risk failure as long as you fail forward. Welcome to Stanford Pathfinders. CEO of Opt to Be Fit. For exercise. We know we're talking about keep it short and simple. Make sure that it's cumulative. Break it up during the day. Fitness and wellness expert. Fitness is not the same for me or you or someone else. Everybody's level of fitness is different, but everyone needs to be fit. This week on Stanford Pathfinders, Trina Wiggins. Now, here's your host, Howard Wolf. Everyone in favor of living a healthy, sustainable lifestyle, please raise your hand. Just as I thought. Nearly everyone's virtual hand is raised, and that is to be applauded, healthy life, happy life. But that makes it all sound so simple. And as we all know, it is decidedly not simple. Said another way, why is it so wonderfully easy to say we want a healthy lifestyle, but so difficult to achieve it? Today's guest on Stanford Pathfinders, Trina Wiggins, is going to help us answer that question. And in doing so, Trina will give us tips from her book, KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it short and simple for a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. Trina is a proud member of Stanford's undergraduate class of 1982, the parent of twin boys who both went to Stanford and a Carvel enthusiast in her hometown of Las Vegas and beyond. And I'm thrilled to have her with us here today. Trina, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Fantastic. All right. I start my show every time with the exact same question to all of these Stanford alums, and that is the obvious one. Why Stanford? Why'd you come here as an undergraduate? So yeah, back in the late 70s, while in high school, my dad was unfortunately diagnosed with a terminal illness. And when I was a senior in high school in 1978, he passed away. So I made the decision not to go far away from home because I wanted just to provide my family, my sister, my brother, my mom, just emotional and logistical support. Yet, I wanted my own independence. And I lived like 10 minute bike ride from UC Berkeley. And that was entirely too close. So I applied to all the California schools, USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. And when I got into Stanford, I said, this is the place to go. It's one hour away and I'm close enough, but yet far enough to have my own independence. Fantastic. And if you needed to get laundry done, you can go yes. home and mom, yes, exactly. Mom could take care of that. You had a fantastic Stanford experience. You and I have talked about this in the past, but you had some elements of your Stanford experience that you were sort of a trailblazer too. Tell yes. us a little bit about your Stanford experience. When I arrived at Stanford, Title IX had just been enacted and I was a gymnast in high school. So I remember going to Stanford women's gymnastics coach, Jackie Walker, who had just recently been hired 
she was a, a gymnastics coach at LSU. And I went to speak to her. I asked her if I could try out for the team. I did. I made the team and received scholarship money. So everything just kind of fell into place. And were you Stanford's first black female gymnast? Yes, the first black female gymnast. And I did not find this out until last year during Black History Month, Kyla Bryant, who just graduated, African-American gymnast, is the one who really spearheaded this and brought it to my attention and to Stanford's attention. So she did her some homework. Oh, hold on a second. You found out 40 plus years later? Yes. I love that. I love that. All right. So as I shared in the introduction before we started chatting here, you are a medical doctor and yes. you are a pediatrician by training. Yes. Why pediatrics? First of all, I've always had a love for children. I mean, when I was growing up, I babysat my younger brother, who's 12 years younger. I babysat my neighbor's children, and she happens to be a pediatrician as well. So she had a little bit of influence. And once getting to to medical school, you know, you have to rotate through all the specialties. My first one was surgery. I did not like surgery. Put it this way. My personality did not match many of the surgeons and the hours did not match what I envisioned myself doing once I became a physician. Then I went to OBGYN. My husband is OBGYN, loved babies, but I could not wrap my head around getting up at two, three, and four in the morning to deliver a baby. So then I moved to internal medicine. Internal medicine was not my cup of tea. I saw a lot of patients who had self-inflicted diseases, whether it was from smoking, getting COPD or emphysema, whether it was drinking alcohol and having cirrhosis of the liver. And I would see these patients, they'll get better, then they'll come back in three or four months for a tune-up. And I just didn't feel that I was doing them a service. When I got to peds, the kids were generally healthy. They had a clean slate. They weren't on a ton of medications. I would fix them. They would get better for the most part. And they were funny. They always caused me to laugh. Every day I had something to laugh about. So that was, that was, that fit my personality and kids keep you young. So I just love kids. All right. But before we talk about your medical practice and how you're trying to make the world a healthier place, you're a super healthy person. And, you know, I've come to know this about you over the last 20 years. Talk to us a little bit about in addition to being a doctor, in addition to being a spouse, in addition to being a mother, you're all this, you're also this fitness competitor. Talk to us a little bit about that. As you know, I was a gymnast and for 20 years after Stanford until my early forties, I worked out, but I wasn't involved in any type of competitive shows. It was about 2002. My sister was visiting Las Vegas because she was trying to find a wedding venue and we looked at all type of casinos. And we finally stumbled upon the Rio. That was our last stop. And we, we go to the, to the wedding planner. She was running late. And lo and behold, my sister looks up and on the big marquee sign at the Rio, it said Miss Fitness USA. And she goes, I'm like, what, what, what that is? And she tells me, she goes, let's go check it out since the wedding planner is late. So we go over there to the um, convention center, check it out. We see women doing floor exercise like routines like I did in gymnastics. They had to do an evening gown with a speech relevant to fitness and they had to do a swimsuit round. So that moment she challenged me. And at that same moment, I challenged her to run a marathon because she had been running. Um, we both completed our challenges and 19 years later, I'm still doing my fitness routine. And, and these competitions that you were in, 
did you prevail? Did you do well? How did you do in these fitness competitions? Yes, my best showing was in 2011 when I won Fitness America Classic in Miss Fitness USA. I came in sixth place. I think that was in 2008. And I also did Miss Fitness Worlds where I came in 12th place. So it just gets me in my zone. I feel free. It's almost an escape from this chaotic world because I'm in a different zone. I get to um, create the music, get a costume, create a theme. And while doing this, you know, I enjoy it, but I'm also inspiring others to get fit. I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, you've inspired me today to get going to do something in the fitness world, whether it's just getting to the gym more or doing more work at home, doing more fitness exercise or going walking, whatever it is. I've heard people to come out to say I've motivated them to get going. All right. So that's a perfect segue to my next question. You are a pediatrician, but at your core, you're an evangelist. Mm -hmm. You're an evangelist for health. Yes. So tell me what your personal mission statement is, because you've got one. I mean, you are a driven woman who is trying to change the world. So I wrote a book called KISS. And my reason for writing the book. Okay, before you go on, KISS stands for? KISS stands for Keep It Short and Simple for a Healthy, Sustainable Lifestyle. So that's the name of the book. That's the name of the book. Keep It Short and Simple for a Healthy, Sustainable Lifestyle. Got it. Exactly. So my goal was to tell people that it's not that difficult. It's not that overwhelming. And I'm not trying to preach to the choir, preaching to people who already do something. I want to reach those people who don't exercise at all, who don't see the value in it, those people who don't eat right and who are, I guess, motivated or by what's on television, meaning, you know, the, the commercials about food, the commercials about exercise. And I want to try to change that narrative meaning that you don't have to go to a gym to get healthy, to spend the money and the time, because time is our most valuable asset. And the number one reason people give for not working out is lack of time. So I wanna do away with that narrative. That's not true. And I wanna tell people, you're not destined to get a chronic disease if your mother or your uncle or some relative have it. A lot of things are preventable and reversible. So those are the things I want to get across. And one key thing is reach those individuals on the opposite end of the spectrum of working out and not eating right. All right. So let's talk about some of the themes in the book, because this is what you evangelize. And um, I've met you, met with you a number of times, and it is working for you. I think it could work for me. Let's help it work for our listeners. So let's discuss the themes. First, fitness. Why is fitness important? You know what? Fitness is important for just maintaining overall health. Your heart is like a muscle, just like your biceps. If you don't use it, it's going to get flabby and it's not going to work properly. That's what I just tell in a, in a simplistic form. So you have to keep moving. Okay. And fitness is not the same for me or you or someone else. Everybody's level of fitness is different, but everyone needs to be fit. One thing to do for it to be sustainable, if you keep it simple and short and not this overwhelming, long session. When I met with a lot of people, they said, well, I don't have an hour. You don't have to have an hour. You can do 10 minutes three times a day or 15 minutes twice a day. Your body doesn't know the difference because it's cumulative. It doesn't know the difference between one you know, complete hour versus small segments interwoven throughout the day. 
and it's easy to wrap your mind around small digestible chunks scattered throughout your day. So this is interesting because before the pandemic, I used to go to the gym. I kid you not six days a week. I know it didn't show, but I did go to the gym six days a week, but I'm afraid to go back to the gym these days because of the pandemic and people exercise and I don't want to wear a mask when I'm on the treadmill, et cetera. So what you're saying is that you don't need to go to the gym. No, you can just do this stuff at home. You can do it at work. You can intersperse it within the course of your normal day. Yes. And that's, and that's, it's easy enough. There's so many great apps out there. Like I love the seven minute workout app. I mean, it's the most popular app in over a hundred countries. Why? Because it's short and simple. It combines cardio with strength in seven minutes. And if someone tells me they don't have seven minutes, something is wrong. So when I, I, when I go like to hotels now during the pandemic, I will stay in, I can do it, stay in my room. All you need is a chair. Every room has a chair. I do the seven minute workout app two or three times. Then I may do the stairs 10 minutes at a time or take a brisk walk somewhere. And like the key thing is you don't need equipment. You don't have to pay extra money. And because I tell you, if you have to go to the gym, think of the drive time, finding a park, getting out, checking in, and then getting there, finding your equipment. Somebody else is on the piece of equipment you want. By that time, you could have already worked out at home and save time. Let's turn to nutrition. Yes. Right. We've had many guests on this show that talk about nutrition. I want to get your view on it. Let's start with an obvious question. How evil, and I use that word pointedly, how evil is sugar? Sugar is very evil. It causes inflammation. And now the theory is that low-grade chronic inflammation is the root of a lot of diseases. It just spans the spectrum. And what really prompted me to write the book, when I was taking the dietary history with patients, they would tell me that the school served them breakfast every day, a Cinnabon. A Cinnabon is loaded with sugar. In fact, it's twice the daily allotment for sugar. And they're feeding this to kids. And then when I would go out into the waiting room, I see parents giving their kids soda, Capri Suns, all this stuff full of sugar. And so I just started looking at all the harmful effect. It can affect every organ in your body negatively, okay? From your heart to your kidneys, to your pancreas, and also affects your skin, premature skin aging, acne. So there's so many negative implications. And what we don't know is that when we go to restaurants, restaurants, they're full of sugar, fat, and, and salt. Just one quick aside, Dr. David Kessler, the ex-FDA, who's an attorney who happens to be a pediatrician like me, did that dumpster dive study. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but where he, after restaurants would close down, he would go in the back and look in the dumpsters and see what the nutritional facts were. What was the salt? What was the sugar? What was the sodium? Because when he approached them in person, they said, we don't have that information. So when he looked, they were drenched in all these things causing us to be addicted to the foods making us, driving us to come back. So with the restaurant's service and what the American Heart Association and the FDA recommends are at polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think most people don't realize this. So that's why I wrote the Sugar Seduction. I want you to see the top 20 most common restaurants. What are your best options and what are your worst options when it comes to sugar? And I think people will be appalled to see how much sugar is in one meal. And we haven't even spoke about say your breakfast and your lunch and snacks throughout the day and the sugary drinks you're getting, they've been estimated some people in the U.S. get 
upwards of 140 pounds of sugar a year. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. So uh, that was my reason. Got it. So what are some common sense tips for the listeners from your research, having done this book, having authored this book from all of your patients? Give us some common sense tips, more vegetables than processed foods. What are your tips? Number one, for exercise. We know we're talking about keep it short and simple. Make sure that it's cumulative. Break it up during the day. So because so when you have it in an hour session, it typically gets put at the end of your to-do list and then you don't do it. Then it gets pushed to the next day. But if you integrate it throughout the day, much better. Got it. Um, another, for, as far as nutrition, know the facts. You know, be a savvy consumer. Look up the nutritional facts before going to a restaurant. If I go to a restaurant and I, I don't have a choice and I'm going with a friend, I will call beforehand and ask, can you prepare something this certain way? Because I'm plant-based. Can you alter things? And, and usually most people, most restaurants are accommodating. So keep that in mind. Know the levels. A woman should not exceed six teaspoons of sugar a day or 24 grams. A man should not exceed nine teaspoons a day or 36 grams, okay? No, just knowing that for sodium, it shouldn't be between 1500 milligrams of sodium and 2300 milligrams of sodium. And if you're African-American, you're overweight or you have chronic disease, disease already, you need to be by about 1500 milligrams of sodium a day. So just knowing some basic facts about what normal is and what abnormal is, that's important. All right, so you said you're plant-based. Yes. Which is oftentimes code for a vegetarian. Are you a vegetarian? I am vegan. Um, I've been so for 15 years. Now, when I preach to my parents and my patients, I don't necessarily say you need to be vegan or vegetarian. I say the majority of your plate should be consist of, it should be plant-based fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds. And I also recommend that the Mediterranean way of eating is phenomenal. That's the most researched diet ever. And it has great benefits and it's plant-based predominantly, but it also includes your omega rich um, fish, like your salmon, your tunas, your mackerels, those type of fish. So that's what I promote, eat the Mediterranean way and the majority of your plate should be plant-based. Got it. This is Stanford Pathfinders, I'm Howard Wolf. Coming up, I'll ask Trina Wiggins for more fitness and nutrition hacks. Next on SiriusXM Business Radio, channel 132. Welcome back to Stanford Pathfinders. I'm Howard Wolf and I'm talking with Trina Wiggins, pediatrician, author, health coach, fitness competitor, and wellness evangelist. So in reading through your materials, there was this yes. term that you used that I've never really thought of before, but I thought it was catchy. And I just want you to share with the listeners what you mean by this. Mm -hmm. You want people to become consistently consistent. Yes. What does that mean? So I'll give you an example. So during people have New Year's resolutions, right? And everyone wants to get healthy around, you know, January, they're gun ho Then as the months go by, people kind of phase out, right? So by March, a lot of people have dropped off the bandwagon. So being consistently consistent means staying consistent. We all can be consistent for a short time period, but what does it take to stay consistent? And a lot of times you have to enact internal strategies to stay consistent. 
people always talk about that SMART acronym, making your goals specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and a timeline. Well, I took it a little step further. I created my own acronym. It's called ACTIVE, activating your active strategy. So A is for affirmations. I have affirmations all over my home to motivate me. And I use those as visual cues to get pumped up, okay? And then I C is for clearing the clutter for clarity and creativity. That's internal clutter, mentally and physical clutter, right? And then T is for transformation. We're all gonna have obstacles, right? That come to try to defeat us. But you have to be able to transform or reframe a negative. So I'll give you an example. During the fitness competition season, I sustained an injury to my other knee, okay? So I'm like, oh my God, Trina, I have an ACL to my other knee. I still wanna compete in fitness. So what did I do? I was sitting down, clearing that clutter, and I looked at over in the corner of the wall, there was the twins' old skateboard. And I just looked and I had an epiphany. I said, hmm, what if I get a rowing machine and row with one leg and put my bum leg on the rowing on the skateboard so I can continue to, to work out and to maintain my endurance and stamina so I can still compete once the injury has healed. That was my way of transforming a negative into a positive. And also I said, why don't I work on my handstands? I don't need my legs for my handstands and my handstands improved a lot. So that was a way of transforming a negative into a positive. And then after that, it's I for being intentional. And you gotta be intentional, inspirational. I used Tiger and, and Tom Brady were my inspirations. They had sustained ACL injuries and got back to the top of their game. And then V is for visualization. And in your mind, putting your routine on autopilot so you'll keep playing it over and over. And then E is just execution. Just execution. Executing, <laughs> execution. Execute, execute, execute. And this leads to your personal sanctuary? Exactly. So what is my personal sanctuary? So as you know, our world is chaotic. So coming home should be, you should be able to create an environment within your home that is conducive to your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. So, so when I come, when you come to my house, you will see workout equipment in weird places. Like I have my stretch out, my stretch bands, my resistance band right near the television. Behind my couch, I'll have my slant board so I can stand up there and stretch my Achilles and my calves while I'm watching the news or something. I have pictures of my competition scattered throughout the house. So I can reminisce and say, this is my purpose. You know, I want to get, stay at this level of competitiveness. And also with my mental, I have quotes by like say um, Nelson Mandela. It seems impossible until it's done. That really motivates me. And then there's one by Venus Williams who talks, and I can't remember it exactly, but she, she's like, believe in yourself. Even if you don't pretend that you do, until you do, <laughs> you know, so because sometimes people are not quite sure of themselves. So it just those things to give you confidence. So I have those posted around the house. And then as far as spiritual, my backyard is full of plants and trees. And we just started a vegetable garden like two years ago. So going out amidst nature to do my meditation. I love meditating outside. It's just it starts my day and it sets the day for me to do that. 
Trina, I loved what you just shared with us. We have a um, persuasive technology lab here at Stanford that uh, puts out some great information on this topic. And they talk about hot triggers, meaning that something that is in your path that helps you to do something. So you put out your running shoes and your workout gear next to your bed. So when you wake up in the morning, you know you need to go and run or whatever. And uh, I think you're doing exactly that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, another part of your work, which is uh, something called op to be fit So that's O-P-T, then the number two, the letter B, and FIT. Tell us a little bit about what that effort is and how it works. So um, op to be fit was developed back in the early 2000s. And with those fitness competitions, we had to have a speech pertaining to fitness. So my platform I chose was childhood obesity. And it's really started to, you know, skyrocket in the 2000s. So I said, what can I do outside of my office to help children? Because we have very little time with patients in the office. You know, someone would come in for an ear infection, yet they're markedly overweight. And I really rarely had time to get it all in, talk about nutrition and exercise. So I stepped outside of the office, started these camps at the Boys and Girls Club. I did them at the YMCA. And in the morning with the camps, I had an obstacle course with 10 stations. We had flashing Christmas lights. We had blaring music. Kids would stay on it either 30 seconds or a minute. Kids loved it. They, th- they just thought it was a blast, especially with the lights. And everyone got the chance to bring in their favorite music. We did stretching with bands and, and we did strengthening with bands. After we did the exercise and after I did some talking about basic exercise, we did the nutrition segment. The nutrition segment involved the child bringing in their favorite item they like to eat. And then I would bring in the healthy variety. I would cook the healthy variety. They would taste it to see if they liked it. Nine times in 10, they loved it. Then I would get a big post-it board and compare the nutritional facts from, the, from my healthy version to their version. So like, for example, we did, may have done Kraft. They brought in Kraft macaroni and cheese. Then I had Trader Joe's or Whole Foods healthy version. And then they would see with their own eyes, because I had taught them how to read a food label, that this one is better. So if it tastes better and it's better for you, then it's a win-win situation. Then after lunch, we would play games. And my favorite game was heart attack. And it taught kids healthy and unhealthy behaviors. Trina, we have 30 seconds left in our talk today. Um, What final thoughts do you have for the listeners? Tips, ideas, hacks, you name it. You don't have to go to the gym to work out. Start at home. You don't need equipment. 10 minutes, three times a day is my prescription or 15 minutes twice a day. Make sure that you eat more at home versus at restaurants because they're the source of a lot of our chronic disease with being drenched in salt, sugar, and fat. And start your day off with meditation or prayer. I love the Insight Timer app. It's my favorite. It utilizes a gong instrument to get you in the zone quickly because oftentimes we have thousands of thoughts going in our head. Trina, thanks so very much for being on the show. You were a wonderful guest. We really enjoyed it. And I know our listeners will as well. Wonderful, wonderful. And I hope that everyone gets the message that it doesn't take that much and you don't have to be overwhelmed. Trina, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stanford Pathfinders on SiriusXM. Listen to this and other episodes anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app or wherever you'd like to find your podcasts.